check. All right. Uh, Louis in the back said he was going to have to dim the lights when I came up here because the glare off my head was a little too intense. I told him he should be used to it with Strider being up here so often, but hey. Um, so my wife and I lead a small group called The Bald and the Beautiful, and you don't have to be bald or beautiful to come, but uh, we have a great time. We meet on Anastasia Island on Sunday nights. We've been part of Good News Church for 18 years, which is amazing. Our kids are growing up here at the church. It's awesome. We launched our first one in the fall. Um, to college, it's an exciting time. So wanted to tell you about a few things happening in the life of the church. Um, one is the Connect card, if you're new, it's a great way to communicate with us. It's on the seat backs in front of you. You can fill that out and drop it in one of the black boxes in the back. Uh, we have Discover Good News classes every month. Uh, if you wanna sign up for that, you can do that via the card. Uh, that's twice a month. Uh, you have these flyers. You may have seen them on your seats. They're spread out. Uh, lots of things happening in the life of the church including today, we're having a big party. Uh, it's Move Up Sunday, and so we're having a back-to-school bash. Raise your hand if you have any kids or grandkids that are in school or connected to the school calendar at all. Sometimes the school calendar can really rule your life, but we want to celebrate uh, getting back to school, and we're going to have a big party after the 1030 service today. It's going to be bounce houses and pizza. It's going to be great, so I'll be there. It'll be fun. Um, so we're here to worship. And there's lots of ways we worship. One is through singing, which we just did, giving praise to our Father. Uh, another is through giving of the resources that God has provided for us. Another is hearing the word of God proclaimed, which Smiley will do in a moment. And, of course, fellowshipping with one another. So I wanted to tell you a little bit about your investment around the world. So we plant churches. Uh, our church is committed to planting churches around the world. This past week, I had the opportunity to hang out in Lakeland. Uh, Lakeland's a little drive from St. Augustine. I-4 is not my favorite road uh, in the world, but I uh, went over to Lakeland for the Florida Church Planting Network meeting, got to hang out with church planters throughout Florida. Um, and so there's two specific guys that we've invested into that I got to hang out with, and I wanted to tell you about their church plants. One is a guy named Tony Ellswick. Tony's half Cuban, and he spent some time overseas uh, doing a variety of things, but God has called him to plant a church uh, in Winter Haven. And so he's actually launching in January. So pretty exciting. So we as a church have invested in Tony and his family to launch a church in Winter Haven that is starting in January with his core group. Super exciting. Another is a guy uh, named Heath Zuniga. Heath, a uh, great guy. He's planting Kissimmee Fellowship in Kissimmee. Did you know that 70% of Kissimmee is made up of Spanish speakers? 70%. So Tony and Heath both have uh, a vision to... They're both bilingual, and they're thinking creatively how to offer English and Spanish services uh, to reach the people in those communities. So super exciting. Uh, so uh, Heath was telling me, out of his core group of 30 people, five nations are represented. Out of 30 people, isn't that amazing? So God's really brought the nations to Florida, and we have key people who are seeking to plant gospel-centered churches uh, to reach the people that God is bringing to Florida. So super exciting what God's doing. So I wanted you to know that your, your influence, you're making disciples of the nations here in, in Florida. So if you're ever driving around Florida and want to hang out and visit other churches um, as you're traveling to visit family, let me know. I can point you in the right direction. So super excited about what God's doing around the world. So thank you for your investment. It's making a difference. So please join me in prayer. Father, thank you for your heart for people. And thank you for placing us uh, here in North Florida. And thank you for giving uh, our church a vision to, uh, to reach 
folks throughout the state and throughout the world. Lord, there's no replacement for the local church. It's so vital, and that's your plan to reach people is through local churches. And just thankful for, for Heath and Tony. Pray for their marriages, their children. Pray for them as they launch uh, in September and January. And pray that you would help them as they share the gospel with folks, as people come to faith in Christ, and as they join their core group to launch these new, these new churches. We pray for favor and fruit in the months and years to come. And we're so grateful for what you're doing and thankful that you allow us to be a part of it. Uh, help us today. Give us ears to hear your word. Uh, may it change us. And we're just thankful for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Travis. If you're new, we believe the Bible is God's Word, and we really encourage you to bring a Bible. It's so good, and it's all about Jesus. <clears throat> Today's our fourth week of reading from 2 Timothy chapter 2, and it'll be our last. So if you have your Bible, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. A little clue to get you there. All the T's in the Bible are together. 2 Timothy 2 verse 1, "'You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus.'" The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This week I was listening to a Babylon Bee podcast, and if you don't know Babylon Bee, it's a Christian satire podcast, and they're really funny. And this week they were interviewing an atheist, and I thought, this is going to be interesting. And, and, and they interviewed the atheist about happiness. And this atheist has written a book called The Sad Story of Human Happiness. So I leaned in, and he said as he studied people, at the end of their lives, their regrets were mostly for what they had failed to do and not what they had done wrong. And it really intrigued me because he didn't know he was speaking theology, but he was. Those of you who are theologically sharp, he was saying at the end of our lives, sins of omission bother us more than sins of commission. And some of you say, well, what's a sin of omission? The, the, the teacher was teaching children, and do you know what a sin of omission is? And the one little boy said, yes, and the teacher said, what is it? He says, well, sins of omission were the sins I thought about doing and didn't do. <laughs> Not exactly. But sins of omission are the things that we fail to do, that God wants us to do, while the sins of commission are the things we do that we shouldn't do. So I always like to do research, and so I looked it up, and sure enough, most people's regrets are what they fail to do. I wished I had loved my spouse more. I wished I had spent more time with my children. I wished I had been more generous with my time and money. So then I thought, what about Christians? What about Christians? And you know, I found the same thing. I wished I had followed Jesus more fully. Uh, I, I wish that I had served more in my church. I wish that when I got to heaven, I wouldn't have come empty-handed, but I would have brought many, many people with me. Um, listen, you ever wish there was a chance to have a do-over in life? You ever wish you just had a chance to, to do life over so you could get rid of your regrets? You know, that's what the gospel offers, isn't it? I mean, did you see verse 1? Be strong in the grace. Wow. What keeps us, what keeps us going? Isn't it grace, isn't it? Oh, 
Uh, this week we were reading through 2 Corinthians, and boy, in chapter 5, th- this chapter is like a candy shop to me. It's filled with so many great verses, and verse 17 was about the do-over that Jesus offers us in life. The gospel offers us a chance to start over. Have you ever wanted that? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away, behold, new things have come. Have you ever done something? He said, man, I wish I could just start over. You're not alone. The Bible says we all have a sin problem. We've all sinned against God. Sins of commission, we've all done and said and thought things we shouldn't have. Every sin is a crime against God, and and we're in big trouble. But listen, there's sins of omission. I mean, Jesus said the two greatest commandments were to love God with all your heart and soul and mind. I've not done that for a day in my life, have you? We've all failed. And to love your neighbor as yourself. You know, one morning this week, I I walk out the front door, and there's my neighbor whose dog is pooping in our front yard. It's hard to love your neighbor sometimes, isn't it? Oh, we have all sinned against God and And God says what we deserve is hell for our son. But notice, we don't have to get what we deserve. We can get a do-over in life. Isn't that good news? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, do you know who Jesus is? Jesus is God the Son who, who put on flesh to come and seek and save sinners. We weren't seeking for God, so he came seeking us. God the Son put on flesh, lived a perfect life, and on the cross... Our sins are a big deal. If you want to know what God thinks about our sin, look at Jesus on the cross because He took our sins. He took our sins and died and experienced what our sins deserve. He died on the cross as a substitute for our sins to atone for our sins, crying out, it is finished. Oh, And then He was buried. And then the third day He rose. And you know what He offers us? Eternal life, a do-over. He offers us forgiveness for all of our sins, past and present and future. Listen, would you like to be forgiven? You can't. He offers us the chance from that day forward to do life with Jesus and spend all of eternity with Him. Instead of doing life and eternity without Him, we can do life and eternity with Him. And how do we get eternal life? Do you hear what he says? If any man is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature, a start over. The old things have passed away, behold, New things have come. Um, The way we get a do-over is we believe in Christ. Have you? Listen, believing in Christ is so simply. It starts when we admit and then we believe and commit. We love to say it's as simple as ABC. If you've never done that, you can do that now or as I close in prayer, I'll give you a chance, but one day it'll be too late. Deep down, don't you want a do-over? It all starts when we admit, Jesus, I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. I've done things I shouldn't have done. I failed to do what I ought to do. Isn't that true of all of us? It's true of me. Isn't it true of you? And I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose. Won't you believe? And then we commit to Jesus. Jesus, come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. And I want you to be Lord of my life and, and help me become the person you want me to be. Oh, won't you do that? And if you have, oh, Jesus moves in 
And we get a do-over in life. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. We're forgiven. Jesus moves in and says, forget about the past. From this day forward, follow me, right? Follow me. And he becomes our model for life and ministry. One of my favorite verses is forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward. He gives us a do-over every day. And what we've been learning the last four weeks is when Jesus moves in, Jesus invites us. He invites us to make disciples together. He invites us to make disciples together. That's our purpose. As a church, we want to make disciples together. Forgetting. Forgetting how much of our lives we've wasted. From this day forward, He says, follow me and, and let's make disciples together. So we've spent four weeks and we've looked at what is a disciple and we said a disciple is a follower of Jesus, right? And what's a disciple maker? He's someone who doesn't want to get to heaven empty-handed. So he's grabbed others, and he's bringing them with him. He's bringing them with him. We've learned that Jesus' plan for reaching the world is to multiply disciple makers, to multiply. So we want to make disciples who can make disciples who can make disciples so that we multiply disciple makers. That's why we've spent four weeks here <clears throat> Verse 2, this is multiplication. You see, Jesus uh, disciple Paul. And then Paul turned around and said to Timothy, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. So Paul discipled Timothy and trust these to faithful men. And then Timothy multiplied himself in faithful men who then multiplied themselves and were able to teach others also. Um, and we've spent the last three weeks and we've looked at, well, what are the qualities of a disciple and what are the qualities of an, of an effective disciple maker? And we've said, well, they're, they're fat, right? And so I wanted you to see the acrostic because some of you got mad. But what, what makes us a disciple or an effective disciple maker is that we're, that we're fat and it starts with faithful. And so we, we ask, well, what does it mean to be faithful? And what we learned is to be faithful is to abide, to abide in Christ. That's the key to everything in the Christian life. And the word means to be with a friend who loves you and stay there. The greatest thing we can do to be a disciple and the greatest thing that we can do, do to be a disciple maker is to be with a friend who loves us and stay there. Then we learn, well, what does it mean to be available? And, and what we learn is to be controlled by the love of Christ. Man, when Jesus loves us, and, and we love Him. We want to be with Him. And we want to be involved in what He's doing in the world because we're controlled by the love of Christ. Is that you? Isn't it who you want to be? And then we looked at today is trainable. Trainable. And what I want you to see is to be trainable is to have the desire and power to follow Jesus and to be a disciple maker. What does it mean to be trainable? Is that we have the desire and the power to... Um, to, to, be, to follow Jesus and be disciple makers. And that's why when we believe in Jesus and Jesus says, follow me, he gives us the Holy Spirit. The reason he's called the Holy Spirit is given to us so that we would be holy. It's the Holy Spirit who says, look at Jesus. Look at the beautiful life. Isn't that the way you want to live? Follow Jesus. He says, look at Jesus. He multiplied disciple-makers. He changed the world. Don't you want to be like that? Follow Jesus. Oh, to be trainable. Will you pray? Holy Spirit, 
Give me the desire and power to follow Jesus. Give me the desire and power to, to be a disciple maker. And you say, well, Smiley, what would that look like? Well, wouldn't it look like Jesus? Isn't he our model? I mean, isn't Jesus our model? When I think about faithful, I don't think about myself. I think about Jesus, don't you? In, uh, in John 8, verse 29, And he who sent me is with me. He's not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Jesus abided with the Father. He loved. He said, we're doing life together. He's our model of what it means to abide in Christ because He loved doing life with the Father, and He loved being involved with what the Father was doing in the world. I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. He's our model. How about available? Do you know one day, I mean, there's one God, but there's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Do you know one day... Uh, they were planning out how to save us. Do, do, do you know that? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were planning how to save us. And the Father said, I've got a plan. And you know what the Son said? What? I'm available, right? I'm willing to carry out the Father's plan. And so He came because He was available. Are we available? Oh, Listen to John 10, 18. No one is taken away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up. Again, this commandment I received from the Father. Jesus said, I'll do it, I'll do it. He laid down His life for us. All right? He, he was faithful. He was available. Jesus was trainable. He was trainable. Do you know that he trained for 30 years? He was willing to train for 30 years for four years of ministry. Oh, and sometimes we, oh, you mean it takes that long to be trained? He trained for 30 years. We get one picture of Jesus growing up, one picture of his youth, one picture. What's he doing? What's he doing? He's training. Where is he? He's in the temple. He's listening. He's asking questions. He's memorizing Scripture because the Scripture he would memorize would serve him for the rest of his life and enable him to accomplish it. He's training for the mission. As he begins his ministry, what does he do? He trains. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. Where do you find Jesus on the Sabbath? He's where? He's in the synagogue. Why? Because he's training for his mission. He's filling his mind with the Word of God. Are we? He was filled with the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. He was in the Scriptures. We find him continually praying, right? Why was he praying? Because he was training for a mission. It didn't just come. He trained for the mission, do we? Oh, the night before the cross, right? He tells the disciples, what? Stay awake. Stay awake and pray so that you don't fall into sin. And what did they do? They fell asleep and failed, right? But what was Jesus doing? He was training. He was, you know, the cross isn't easy. You don't just show up and try. You know what you do? You train for it. So we see Jesus, what? And He's praying. And, and, the, and, and the Father strengthened Him so that Jesus could go to the cross and finish the mission. Oh, he trained for the mission. And he stayed on the cross until he cried out, what? It is finished. Um, are we willing to train? Let me show you a verse. 
in uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. Jesus learned obedience. His whole life was training. Every step of obedience was training him and training him and preparing him for the greatest uh, act of obedience ever to die on the cross for our sins. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. So Jesus is our model. <clears throat> he's our model of, of what it looks like to be faithful and available and trainable. And He's given us the Holy Spirit to give us the desire that we would want to follow Him. We'd want to be disciple makers. We'd want to be faithful and available and trainable. And then <clears throat> Paul gives us three examples. Uh, he gives us three examples of what it looks like to be trainable. He gives us a soldier. He gives us an athlete, and he gives us a farmer, and he's going to show us what it would look like to be trainable, and he starts with a soldier, and what I want you to learn from the soldier is I want you to train to win, to train to win. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Recently, I'm meeting with a couple who had visited the church, and I love to hear people's stories, and I said, where did you guys meet? And they said, we met on a gun range. I said, wow, I've never met a couple who met on a gun range. So I've got a question for you. Is it, is it a good thing to hear your wife say, I missed you, is it? <laughs> Not if you're on a gun range, right? Not if she's reloading her revolver, right? I missed you. But I said, what were you doing on a, on a gun range? He says, I was a Green Beret, and, and, and I liked to shoot, and, and I met a woman, and she liked to shoot too, and that's why we got married. And I thought, that's really unique. But then we started talking about training, because I'm fascinated by training. So I said, teach me a little about, about your training. And here's what he said. If two, men, if two men get in a fight, he said, smiling, how engaged are those men in a fight? Men, how engaged are they? A hundred percent. So he says, Smiley, what determines who wins? You know what he said? The better trained soldier always wins. Hmm. Listen, in basketball, in basketball, it's okay to win 100 to 98, isn't it? But in war, you want to win what? 100 to nothing, don't you? I mean, you don't want to lose anyone, right? So he says, training is so important, train to win. The better trained soldier wins. So what happens? Someone joins the army. What happened? They go to basic training for 10 weeks where they learn what? How to fight a war together. Not alone. They learn how to fight together. And then they get involved in the fight, but the rest of their career, they're always going for ongoing training, for ongoing training, specialized training, because the better trained soldier wins. Hmm. Forgive us as a church that we've not prepared you well to live out your faith, but we've recognized that, and we want to train you better. And so we've developed a basic training. It takes about a year 
and we'd love to take you through basic training. We believe we can equip you to follow Jesus and bring other people with you. We want to provide you basic training. It's called a map. We'd love to train you. And listen, when you finish basic training and you're beginning to train other people, we'd like to provide you ongoing training, ongoing training, because we want to train you to win because we believe the better soldier, better trained soldier wins. So that's, that's the soldier. Next is the athlete. Uh, the athlete. And as we look at the athlete, what I want to teach you is to train to win, don't just try to win. I want you to train to win rather than simply trying to win. Um, also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. Um, how, many of you, how many of you saw that Somali woman runner? Anybody seen that video? They're having this track meet, and there's nine female gazelles who train to run 100 meters. And there's one Somali woman who tried, and it's embarrassing. When the gun went off, the nine trained women ran like gazelles, and the Somali woman just stumbles out of the gate. You know why? Because if you win at, want to win at sports, you don't just show up for a race and what? And try. You train for it. Oh, if, if someone comes to me, so I've heard you've run a lot of marathons. I have. What do I need to do to run a marathon? Well, just sign up for a race and try really hard. It's not going to work, is it? But if I said, listen, if you're willing to, to let me train you in one year, in one year, I can have you run a marathon and enjoy it. Well, maybe not the enjoy part, but I can train you and you can finish. Now, this is the part of the message I really don't like because it's about Herschel Walker. And, um, and I'm a Gator fan, and he broke my heart so many times as a Gator fan. But I saw him interviewed once, and Herschel Walker, uh, Heisman Trophy winner, great football player, said people often say to him, Herschel, it must be great to be a, a natural athlete. And he says, let me tell you my story. When I was in middle school, I ran in a race and my sister beat me. And I was humiliated. Now we have two girls and they're amazing athletes, but we have four boys. And the one thing they don't want to do is lose to their sisters. So Herschel Walker, having been humiliated, went to a track coach and said, my sister beat me. I don't want to ever experience that again. How can I get fast? And what the coach said is you need to train for it. It's not just about trying. It's about training. So he says you need to do push-ups, you need to do sit-ups, and you need to run sprints. And, oh, this coach had no idea how much Herschel Walker wanted to win. And he would do a 1,000 push-ups every day and a 1,000 sit-ups every day. And he would run track, and he became an amazing athlete. He said every day during the summer when other people went to the beach, when other people were watching TV, I was doing push-ups and sit-ups and running sprints. And people would say, oh, it must be nice to be a great natural athlete. Oh, man, if you want to win and in sports, first you train, and then once the game starts, then you try, right? 
So Strider tells me uh, there's a series on Netflix called Breakpoint. And I used to play tennis. I'm fascinated by tennis. And uh, it, it's a good series. The language is pretty bad. But, but it's the upper-level professional tennis players. And, and I watched it. And let me tell you, they just don't show up for a match. Underneath the match, that's what you see. There's so much training. They train their bodies, and they also train their minds. They train their bodies, they train their minds, their bodies. Yes, they train constantly their forehand and backhand and volleys and serve, but much more than that. They have a nutritionist. They have people who give them massages. They take ice baths. They do so many things to train their bodies for the match. Oh, but they don't just train their bodies. They train their minds. Because if you've ever played tennis, the greatest battle is between the ears, isn't it? The greatest battle is with their minds, so they're constantly training their minds. Um, That's what we want to do. If we want to make disciples... We need to train our bodies. If we want to be disciples, we need to train our minds. Train our bodies, yes. We need to learn how important it is that we worship together. There's skills we need, like worship or fellowship of being in small group. We need to learn how to read the Bible ourselves and how to pray and how to share. We need to learn how to feed ourselves. If we want to be a disciple, listen, if... If we want to learn to to be a disciple-maker, we need to learn, be trained how to share our faith and and how to lead a disciple-making meeting. We need to train our bodies. But above all else, we need to train our minds because the greatest battle for a disciple-maker is between the ears, just like a tennis player. Just this week, I'm having lunch with this guy, and, uh, and he says, you know, people aren't interested in Jesus, and it's way too hard to reach them. Do you know what repentance is? The word repentance literally means to change our thinking. He has stinking thinking. Now, where do you think he gets the idea that no one's interested? Who do you think that puts it in his brain? Who do you think? Satan does. Who's whispering to him, it's way too difficult for you to lead someone to faith in Christ? Well, it's Satan who's doing that. Because Jesus says something radically different. I'm continually repenting and changing my thinking. What did Jesus say? In Matthew uh, chapter 9, verse 36, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Have you noticed there's a lot of people in our county now? Have you noticed that? When you see them, do you see them the way Jesus does? They're distressed and they're downcast. They don't know Jesus. Notice what he says. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Jesus says people are way more willing to come to faith in Christ than we are to share him. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. Jesus is looking for people who will say, Lord, I'll go. Train me. Send me. Listen. I believe people are way more willing to come to Jesus than we are to share with Him. Listen, it's way easier to lead people to faith in Christ than you think it is. Now, I know there's some difficult, but it's way easier than you think. And when I share the gospel, I always expect the person's going to say yes. Because who who wouldn't want to be forgiven? 
Who wouldn't want to live forever? If we don't want what we have, why would we think anyone else would? And I've told you many times, but I love it. Charles Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher, he would continually see people come to faith in Christ as he preached. And another preacher asked him, why do people come to faith in Christ when you preach and they don't when I do? And you remember what he said, what? I expect them to. I, when I share Christ with someone, I expect them to say, yes, who wouldn't want to be forgiven? So listen, from the, from the soldier, we learn train to win, right? Listen, from the athlete, we learn, we learn train to win, don't just try. I mean, after you train, then try, but don't start with a try, start with training. And now from the, from the farmer, from the farmer, let's learn that training to win is hard work. Listen, training to win, is, it's hard work. Uh, don't, don't we see that? <clears throat> the hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Man, farming is hard work, isn't it? I mean, the farmer gets up early, works late. It's hard work to, to cultivate and to plant and to reap. But when there's a harvest, he's the first. Can you imagine being a farmer? A farmer gets to say, I partnered with God to see food for me first. I get to enjoy it. And then I get to partner with God to provide food for others. Isn't the fruit worth the effort? Um, listen, training to be a disciple is hard work. The people I'm discipling, we're going to memorize Scripture. I can't. I can't memorize. So I always go, what's your name? What's your phone number? You can memorize. Not only that, but you've been given the Holy Spirit. And I get people to memorize Scripture, and then they come back. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So many of the verses that I've memorized, the Holy Spirit brought to my remembrance right when I needed them. It's been such a difference in my life. Thank you. Um, we're the first to enjoy the beautiful life, right? When we train. When, when we train. <laughs> oh. Listen, winning people to Christ and making disciples involves hard work. Most people, I can't. Yes, you can. And so we train people how to take off in a plane, how to launch into a gospel conversation. We train people how to share the bad news and the good news and invite people to respond. And oh... When people see that God can use them to raise someone from the dead, they have more joy than you can imagine. And isn't that what Jesus said in Luke 15, verse 7? I tell you that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Wow, God used me. God used me. God used me to change someone's life. There's nothing like it. So this week, this week we rejoice of five different people who put their faith in Jesus Christ, and, and, and we rejoice with that. We rejoice with that. And I've got to tell you the story of one of them. One of them took place in Cancun, Mexico, 
that Jeff and Miranda were there on vacation, and Miranda's at the pool, and she's talking with a lady named Carol, and Carol's sharing with her all the heartache she's been through and the people in her life who've died. And Miranda says, you know, the Lord's opened the store, the Lord's opened the store. So she asked the two diagnostic questions in the Do You Know booklet. Do you know you're going to heaven? And if God said, why should I let you? What would you say? And she didn't know Jesus. And so Miranda shared the bad news and the good news. And right there in Cancun, she had a chance to lead her to faith in Christ. And she shared the Do You Know booklet. Isn't it worth taking the time to prepare so that when God opens the door, you're ready. And she's one of those ladies who was so ready. She just needed someone to share, and you can do it. Oh, what's even more exciting than those five is two years ago, we made a commitment to, to equip people, and we had 21 people who led someone to faith in Christ. And so last year, we prayed that 21 would become 42, but we went to 46, and I'm praying we double that this year. And you know where we are? We're right now at 72. Listen, you might be one of those 20 that help us to double the number of people who have the joy of leading someone to faith in Christ. Uh, it takes work to be able to lead people to faith in Christ. It takes work to disciple others. It does. But there's so much joy in 3 John verse 4. I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth. Do you know what I was doing Thursday at 7.30 in the evening? I'm FaceTiming one of my disciples. Do you know, a little over two years ago, he came to faith in Christ. I said, you want to follow Jesus with me? And he did. Do you know, for two years, he read through the New Testament, and he said, I want more. Do you know now he's reading through the whole Bible? He's in Psalms. Do you know he's led people to faith in Christ? And he is so excited to be following Jesus. Um, there's work involved in discipling others. There is. But listen, I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth. Um, work. I know this one disciple maker, this is so good. People will come up to him and say, oh, will you disciple me? And he says, sure. Meet me Tuesday morning at 5 a.m. How would you respond to that? The people who say where he invests in. Because they want to be discipled. The people who say, that's too early. He says, you're not the kind of person that I want to invest in. Oh, one day, Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee. Remember the story? Matthew 4, 18. Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will give you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. If, if you believe that people were lost and they were headed to hell, and Jesus said, follow me, and I'll equip you to rescue people from the fire to come. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you leave your nets? Wouldn't you leave your nets and go follow him? Isn't that what he invites us to do? Um, Jesus invites us to make disciples together, right? Let's train to win, and, and, and let's train to win and not just try and Listen, trying to win is hard work, but, but there's such joy that comes from it. And so our, our uh, action step for this week, what I want you to do is to be trainable, to be trainable. 
Now, uh, what do I mean by that? Um, you ever wonder what pastors dream about? What I dream about is having a church full of Herschel walkers, I do. Not literal Herschel walkers, that would be a nightmare for me. Beating Florida all the time, that would be horrible. But what if our church was people? Feel smiling? I want to follow Jesus. I want to live the beautiful life. I want to follow Jesus in my family. I want to follow Jesus with my finances. I want to follow Jesus. Will you help me? You know 911, right? You know what that is? When you see me passed out, call 911. You know what I dream about? Our members saying, you know, I have never led anyone to faith in Christ. It's been 10 years since I've led someone to faith in Christ. Will you please, will you please equip me to be effective at winning people to Christ and making disciples, would you? Oh, man, I would love that. So, so love that. I'm always learning. I learned from a pastor recently, if you ask this pastor, what do you do? He says, listen, I love to tell people who want to hear about Jesus about Jesus. So I've adopted that. Now, when people ask me, you're a pastor, what do you do as a pastor? Well, I love to tell people who want to hear about Jesus about Jesus. Do you want to hear about him? So I want you to know, Strider took that, and he adapted that. And this week, we were doing Discover Good News together, and a couple asked a question about a small group, and Strider said, I love to help people find a small group who want to find a small group. Do you want to find one? Man, I'd love to help you. So this morning, you know, Smiley, what do you do? Um, I love to disciple people who want to become disciple makers. I love that. Do you want to be? We'd love to equip you. Listen, if this series... If Jesus is pulling on your heart and tugging on your heart and you say, man, I want to follow Jesus. I, I want to be trained. I, I want to be trained to follow him and, and bring others with me. Listen, I would love for you to take the Connect card and just put your name and contact information on there and just say, smiley, I want to be trained. And if any time during this week the, the Spirit of God grabs your heart and you see how beautiful Jesus is, and you want to follow Him in life and ministry, you can email me at smiley at goodnewsloves.com, and, and you can say, I want to be trained. Oh, I'd love to find a way to train you. There are so many people in this county who need Jesus. Wouldn't you like to be trained to be a part of rescuing them? And many of you, you've been through the map You've been trained, and now you're discipling others. And now that you're involved in discipling others, listen, what have you learned? Where do you need help? Where do you need training? What specialized training do you need? Is it theological? Is it doctrinal training? Is it help in marriage or, or parents or finance? What further training could we provide you? So if you're involved in making disciples and you found weaknesses in your equipment, put it on the card. Put it on the card and we'd love to find a way to equip you because we believe the best trained soldiers win, right? Uh, Jesus invites us to make disciples together. Will you say yes? Um, 
the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Let's pray. Jesus, we're so thankful that you are faithful and available and trainable. Thank you for coming and dying and rising to save sinners like me, like all of us. Listen, if you're here and, and you'd like a do-over, you'd like forgiveness, you, you'd like eternal life, Jesus is here. Won't you tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and forgive me and, and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that, way to go. Won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. Lord, I pray for all of us who've received you that we would hear your invitation to us to make disciples together. Holy Spirit, give us all the desire and power to follow Jesus and live the beautiful life. Lord, Holy Spirit, move us that we would want to be equipped to be disciple makers. Listen, if... If that's you, won't you say, Jesus, I, I want to follow you. I want to bring others with me. Won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to equip you. Oh, if you're involved in disciple making and you need help, won't you say, Lord, provide me the training I need so that I could be better trained in what I'm doing. And then won't you let us know that? For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.